0: Good morning. Yes, Lord, have your way with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you and celebrate all the gifts you have bestowed on us. Do not let us neglect your spirit or those gifts you have given us. Give us courage to use these gifts and the humility to use them, not for our glory, but for you and your glory. Help us to recognise and see the good work you have ready for us, and embrace that work with willingness and joy. Father God, you alone are worthy to receive all honour and majesty and power and glory. For you have created all things and made us for your pleasure and your glory. And so we come today to offer ourselves to be used of you. Father, we know that today there are many evidences all around us of the spiritual gifts that you have graciously given to so many in our church. We pray that you would use our spiritual gifts as well as our natural abilities to to your praise and glory and not for our own personal pride. We pray that in using our gifts we would grow spiritually and together with our brothers and sisters become mature in the faith. Help us to rightly use all that you have given us wisely and appropriately and help us always to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, we praise you and give you thanks for every spiritual gift we have and we prayerfully dedicate each one back to you so that you would have us use them to help and encourage our fellow believers in difficult times as well as not so difficult times. We lift up your name, for we desire that you increase in every area of our lives and that we would decrease until it is not us but Christ who lives in us and through us. Give us a heart to lift up our brothers and sisters so that together we will become more like Jesus. We pray for godly wisdom and discernment so that we will recognise which gifts you have given us. May the gifts you have given us be recognised and encouraged so that by using these gifts we will find fulfilment and joy in serving you. Father, we pray that we be the best that we can be as we outwork our spiritual giftings. May we always strive for excellence in all we do. Loving Father, we pray that you would use the spiritual gifts and spiritual graces we have received from you for the furtherance of the gospel of grace, that we may not only bless each other, but that we would reach out to a hurting and broken world. Fill us, we pray, with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and take our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. All this we ask humbly, in the matchless name of your dear Son, Jesus.
1: Good morning everyone. Just uh, make sure that ah beauty, there we go. Always love it when tech works. Oh, what an awesome service so far this morning. It's yeah, just listening to Willie's prayer to, to Sue sharing. God's good. He's um He's at work, isn't he? Um, look, I'm excited this morning to share with you guys Sam, this In His Word series that Sam's kicked off, um, there's lots of words of Jesus, aren't there? Um, it's, a, it's a real board. but I think some of us have, have some real favourites and phrases that, that stick out to us. Some of us that we, I guess we really love, some that we find a bit, a bit difficult and a bit strange, <laughs> Um, And I want to pick on a phrase this morning. Really pleased that Mike and Bev are here this morning. Bev, I'm sorry, I'm going to pick on you a little bit later. Hopefully it won't be too bad. I meant to warn you, but I didn't. And, Mike, I hope you've got your heresy banner ready to go. Just if I'm saying something wrong, you you can let me know. Oh, thank you. Hopefully you won't need it. It'll be fine. Otherwise, oh, yeah, I've got, got lots of it. Anyway, so look, so lots of, lots of the... <laughs> thanks, Mike. Was that a, was that a test or...? or okay. If you're already going wrong. That would be unfortunate. Um, oh, someone, can someone do an arm count as well? Because there's going to be a lot of those. I'm really sorry. I'll apologise in advance. Uh, <laughs> So lots of Jesus' words have made it into the culture. Um, There we go. Things like this one. Do not judge or you will be judged. Every house divided against itself will not stand. Um, All who draw the sword will die by the sword. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Think broadly lots of these uh, um, in the culture, like the culture would, would know lots of these phrases. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you, the old golden rule. There's a few that are probably a little bit more uh, controversial, I suppose, or a bit more difficult in the, uh, both for us and for, for harder sayings and maybe maybe put a bump in the, in the road or the idea of a kind and a, a friendly Jesus. So let the dead bury their own dead. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. We even find Jesus a bit frustrated and annoyed, like this one. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Sometimes I wonder if uh, there was Aramaic for ugh, because I think (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that it feels like Jesus is saying that, and I love these because I totally get it. For me, it makes so many of these stories feel more authentic, Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us, and he didn't sin. But it doesn't mean he didn't get annoyed with people. And I can relate to that. I mean, I'm sure people can relate to that in relation to me as well, but there we go. Anyway, what I'd like to do this morning is have a look at one of these more odd sayings of Jesus. Uh, One that probably doesn't appear on too many inspirational quote lists or greeting cards. And I want to try and show you why I find it more encouraging than it initially appears if we have a look right at the end of the Gospels in the very last chapter of John, John 21, and feel free to uh, have a look, open your Bible to that if you've got one, the whole chapter is a great story. I really, I really like it. I like lots of things in the Bible. There you go. We won't read it all, but let me give you a recap of its early part. So this is the chapter after the empty tomb, chapter 20. So Jesus has risen. He appears to Mary in the garden. Then he appears to the disciples and finally to, to Doubting Thomas. At the start of chapter 21, we see a few of the disciples have headed to Galilee, sort of gone back to their roots. Peter decides to go fishing and uh, the disciples who are with him, it's not all of them, I think it's about seven, they decide they'll go as well. They fish all night. And how many fish do they catch? Do you remember? None? No fish. Then a mysterious stranger appears on the beach and asks them, have you caught anything? And when they tell him no he tells them to try the other side of the boat. So to pause here, some of these blokes were professional fishermen, don't forget. Some strange person on the beach has told them, oh, why don't you try the other side of the boat? They're professional fishermen. They, of course, do that. And immediately they catch 153 fish. I don't know why John records 153, but, again, this is one of these great details that we see in the Bible. So in verse 9, John works it out and he says, it is the Lord. To Peter. And then Peter, being Peter, jumps into the sea to go and meet Jesus. The others bring the boats and the fish in a bit more conventionally. And then Jesus, he has a fire going on the beach, he has some bread, he cooks them some of the fish and gives them breakfast. So this is now the third time that they've seen Jesus after he was raised from the dead. Then from verse 15, we have this wonderful passage where Peter is reinstated. You'll remember that Peter had denied Jesus. So after Jesus is arrested, he's taken to the house of the high priest. And Peter's sort of trailing along, not not quite sure what's going on. People recognise him, say, "Aren't you with that Jesus guy?" Peter says, "No, no idea who he is." Says that three times, and, and he's he's pretty devastated by that. This is Jesus restoring Peter or reinstating Peter. Uh, and he he Jesus asks Peter three times if he loves him. Um. So I want to pick up the story here. So from verse seventeen, so Peter's getting a bit upset with Jesus because. He's asking him the same same question. This is the third time. There we go. So the third time he said to him, this is Jesus, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. He's basically saying Peter's going to be a martyr. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? It's, it's John. Um, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? So Peter's asking, just being told, he's, he's going to die and he's, he's wondering about John. Verse 22, Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So I, I want us to, to really take note of this. Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but this has always struck me as a bit rough on the part of Jesus. It's not exactly memory verse material. (laughs) Peter has just been reinstated in an amazing way by Jesus, then been told he's going to die as a martyr. Being Peter, he also wants to know what's happening to John, who's hovering along in the background following them. And Jesus' reply, what's it to you? Follow me. Jesus doesn't say that he doesn't know. He doesn't say that John will live until he comes back. The next verse, verse 23, actually indicates a rumour had spread to that effect that John wouldn't die until Jesus returned. But Jesus just says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. It's pretty much a you worry about yourself, mate. For me, this is a really powerful reminder of who's God and who's not in this conversation. Jesus comes to earth as a baby, puts on humanity, he laughs, cries, gets angry, feels sorrow and compassion, lives, trains as a carpenter, has three years of ministry and then he dies on a cross. Now he's risen again. He's just shown how much he loves Peter, who had betrayed him, don't forget, by feeding him not only a delicious fish breakfast, but then restoring him for what will be a really important role in the church. Remember, Peter means rock. Jesus is building the church on Peter. Peter is probably feeling at this point like a bit of an insider. He's been restored. He's back in the good books of Jesus. And so he presses Jesus for a bit more information about John and what's going to happen to John. What does Jesus do? He draws a line and tells him he doesn't need to know. Now, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like God is saying to you, you don't need to know, even though you really want to, even though you are 100% certain that it would, in fact, be a very, very good idea for you to know what's going to happen and how something will turn out. Will this job work? Should I pursue this relationship? What will happen with my kids or my parents? How are you going to salvage this one, God? I'd really like to know. And here we see Jesus saying to one of his closest friends, one of the inner three along with James and John, you don't need to know. If I imagine myself in Peter's shoes, that has to feel a bit rough. But I want you to notice another thing here. What Jesus says after telling Peter that he doesn't need to know. He says to Peter, "You must follow me." He's saying to Peter, I'm not going to tell you everything. I want you to follow me. I want you to trust me. The one you've been travelling with and learning from for the last three years. The one who was transfigured and appeared with Moses and Elijah, that Peter then wanted to set up tents for, which is always a bit weird. Who turned water into wine, turned some bread and fish into an all you can eat feast for thousands, and he did that one more than once. The one you saw die in the most public and horrible way the ancient world could devise and who is now with you having just had a delicious fish breakfast follow me trust me remember what i have said what i have shown and taught you and go and make disciples so jesus is not telling peter everything he wants to know he's asking peter to trust him but he's not doing that in a vacuum peter has had 3 years with jesus to get to know him and to see him work peter knew the character of jesus as well as anyone And he had to know Jesus, you him as well. Having betrayed him and been restored, Peter had no secrets from Jesus. Quick aside, Mon shared a couple of weeks ago about the woman at the well. She unpacked that story really helpfully. uh, But there was one insight out of many, really, that that struck me as I listened back to what she shared. Jesus knew exactly who the woman was. All her unsavoury history and yet he still wanted to know her. I think we feel like that sometimes. If only Jesus knew what we were really like, he'd run away. But he didn't from the woman, and he doesn't from Peter. He goes out of his way to restore him, as he went out of his way to meet and interact with the woman at the well. And he'll do the same for you and me. We can trust him. So we have Jesus asking Peter to trust and follow him and Peter has to know the character of Jesus in front of him, just how trustworthy and faithful he is, even though he, Peter, isn't getting the answers he wants. So verse 22 again. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Jesus is telling Peter he needs to follow him. He's not going to tell Peter about John. But no doubt Peter is still curious about John and I think it is Helpful for us to have a think about this because there is a contrast in what following Jesus looks like for John and for Peter. And given that Jesus has just spoken about Peter's martyrdom, how they died. So tradition has it that Peter's later crucified upside down at his own request because he doesn't feel, or didn't feel worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus. It's a long way from the man who had denied Jesus three times but also fits with what Jesus had prophesied on that beach in Galilee. As for John, we know he's on the Greek island of Patmos when he receives the visions that he records in Revelation. He may have died there or perhaps returned to Ephesus, but either way he likely died an old man of natural causes in the late 90s. Both of them contributed, well, we have have letters from both of them in the Bible. They were both huge in the church. But Jesus had different paths for them in their lives as he had different paths for us. We all follow the same Lord as Peter and John did, but exactly how we do that will look different for each of us. Now, I realise that's not a particularly revolutionary thought, but I do feel like it's an important one to remember because I think we can understandably get hung up on those differences at times. And like Peter, we want to know more about those around us and what's going on and what God's going to do. Why does God seem to work here and not there? Why does God send revival to some places and not others? Why does God heal this person and not that person? I really loved hearing Bev share a few weeks ago. She and Mike shared wonderfully about Bev's mum, Bonnie, and Bev's foundation in faith growing up. And toward the end, Bev told us about her amazing healing from stage four cancer. It is a real miracle of God. And she shared about it wonderfully. But toward the end, she said this as she reflected on her miracle. I feel for those who've lost loved ones to cancer and those who are still coping with serious illness and seemingly unanswered prayer. I know how you feel. I've been there for five and a half years of it. I ask, why me? I don't know. I really don't. But my foundations tell me this, and I won't move on this, that God is with us he's able, he's faithful, he's promised and he's in control. My challenge to you in conclusion is for each one of you to acknowledge Jesus as your saviour. It's the only way to live. How's that for following Jesus? Bev's done that. She's followed Jesus faithfully even when she wasn't sure what the outcome would be and God has healed her. But for Bev, healing or not, it's all about following Jesus. I was telling my sister about about this, And she pointed out to me that Bev's story, and I think Bev actually pointed this out as well at the time, but that Bev's story is not just for Mike and Bev and for their family, and it, it absolutely is for them, but it's also for us as her church family that we might rejoice with her and give glory to God. To come at this from a slightly different angle, I want to jump back a bit earlier in John to chapter 9, to another story of Jesus, the man born blind. Hmm. There we go. The whole chapter is is a pretty great battle between Jesus and the Pharisees winding each other up, but I just want to have a look at the first six verses. So as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. That means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now I'm going to leave the, the mud with spit part which is a bit gross to our modern sensibilities. I suspect it probably was to them as well. And the actual mind-blowing miracle of restored sight for now, because I want us to look closely at verses 2 and 3. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. The disciples are assuming that sin is the cause of his blindness. Someone has wronged God. And this man is paying for it somehow. But what does Jesus say? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So that the works of God might be displayed. We've seen the works of God displayed in Bev through healing and we should absolutely rejoice in that. Give all thanks and glory to God. We can store things like that up for times when we're anxiously waiting on God to know what he might and does do, when we're uncertain about what he will do in circumstances where we face him. That can be the basis for our trust. But I think God can display his works through not healing or not answering prayer as well. And I want to give you an example. Many of you all remember our daughter Hannah. When she was born, she had a rare syndrome. She looked a bit weird, but she was very cute. And she ended up with lots of medical issues and developmental delays, We had no idea what life would look like, but we knew it would be really different to what we were expecting or hoping. To my eternal shame, I can remember in those early days almost but not quite praying that God would just take her and we wouldn't have to deal with the complexity of her life. But in God's mercy, he didn't. Instead, what did we see? He gave us an amazing run with her amazing personality of nearly 10 years that was utterly transforming for us and for many around us. We met amazing people that we just wouldn't have crossed paths with. We learned to depend on God and to follow him. The works of God were displayed through her life in ways that would have been impossible if she were typical. It was not an easy time. But God doesn't promise us an easy time. He promises to be with us. And he was with us and is still with us today. Just the point I'm really trying to make here is we can't know what God will do in a situation, but we know we can trust him. You can't know what God will do in a situation you're facing, but you can trust him. If God is in the business of displaying his works, you want to be a part of that. Look, I don't think it's a problem to ask him for answers or restoration or to know more as Peter is asking about John but we need to remember our primary role is to follow him trust him and see his works displayed in our obedience again we, we just can't know what God will do in a situation but we know we can trust him so what might it look like to follow him as he he asked Peter to do I think there's a lot we could say here but I just want to focus on a couple of things we can know God and we can serve him in order to know to, to follow him you have to know him. How do we know someone? We spend time with them. Pray, read and study the word. What can help us to do those things um, is to do them with each other, to gather together, to pray, to hear the word, to share with one another. We all have different characteristics and insights to bring. Serving is part of following as well. We've, we've just done the survey this morning for church and that's important, but we can be mindful of what it means to follow Jesus during the rest of the week as well. How do we follow Jesus in how we interact with our work colleagues or neighbours? How do we bring Jesus to those around us? How do we, as Dave Smyth says, be open for business? And a couple of great examples of serving in church. I loved what Imbi shared last week about the blessing of serving in tribe and how encouraging it is to see young people taking hold of faith for themselves. To use an extremely timely example, I have to say that both times I've been up the front here sharing, I've learned a massive amount. I can't honestly say I've completely enjoyed the process or even the delivery process. My arm might have been twisted slightly, but I can't deny that God has taught me heaps about himself as I've written and thrown out hundreds of words, read and listened to the thoughts of others and prayed and listened to God. Now, because he's a gracious God... Hopefully some of what I'm saying today makes sense and perhaps resonates with you. But regardless, he has impacted me through this process and I give him thanks for that. Sermons or serving tribe might not be your thing, but there will be something. If you're not sure, ask God. I'm pretty sure that's one where he will let you know if you seek him. These are ideas and examples, but I don't want to be too prescriptive on this because I've said a couple of times And as we see in the example of Peter and John, it will look different to all of us. It's not for nothing that Paul uses the metaphor of a body when he talks about the church, a body with different parts. We saw that, didn't we, Um, working together. Sometimes I'm sure it feels like a sort of a Frankenstein, especially for our church leaders as they shepherd us. But if Jesus is our head and we all follow him, then slowly but surely we as the church will grow and make a difference in the world. I feel confident saying that because that's what the church has been doing for 2,000 years and the world needs us, so or more properly, God working through us. I spoke last time about the now, not yet of the kingdom, how God's kingdom is in some sense here in the world already. It's inaugurated through Jesus' coming, his time on earth, but in other senses it's not here yet because we still, still see much in the world that really isn't how it should be. It really does feel like there's a lot of not yet, out there right now. But history shows us God often works in these moments. Our job is to know him, love him and to follow him wherever he calls us. As I said earlier, we can't know what God will do in a situation, but we know we can trust him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are real and that you sent your son Jesus to die and make a way for us to be restored to you. We thank you for the words of Jesus that we have and that we can study and wrestle with and learn from. Not everything is easy to understand, but I pray that you would give us the wisdom through your Holy Spirit as we seek to do that. I pray that you would keep these stories fresh, that we would never lose that sense of amazement as we read of all Jesus did and know that today he sits at your right hand interceding for us. Help us to love your word, so that we can love you and serve you and love those around us. Help us to learn to follow you even when we're not sure exactly what that means or what's going to happen. Help us to trust in your goodness and love for us that you have displayed so many times. Father, as we come to share communion this morning, fill us freshly with your Holy Spirit so that we might follow you as faithfully as so many of the saints who have gone before us have done. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Didn't twist your arm that much. <laughs> Wasn't that fantastic? Ben, thank you so much for just the way you've taken a story that meant so much to Peter and Jesus and related it to our own personal lives. And for the rest of the service now, I want to just... I don't want to... Sometimes you can add to stuff. i just let what, what Ben had shared... Just sit in your hearts for a bit. I'm going to invite the music team up. We're going to sing a song that speaks of Christ being enough. And in a, in a way it fits in with a, the, the idea of what's it to you, follow me. We can look around us and we can have so many questions. We can be jealous of people in the church with what they're doing. Why can they do that? Why can't I do that? Maybe Jesus is saying to you, what's it to you? <laughs> Follow me. And as we prepare for communion this morning, is the Lord calling you back? It really fits in with what Sue said about just refining our hearts again, coming back to have our confidence and our faith in Christ alone. No matter what we go through, no matter what God's calling us to, what we're fearful of, the, the important thing is that we follow him, that we know him, that we love him, that we serve him. So as we sing this song, we're going to sing a, a verse and a chorus, and then we're going to share communion together. And I just pray that as we sing and as as you come forward to receive the elements this morning, you'd be asking the Lord... What does it mean to follow you? Have I put my hopes and my dreams in things? Have I I put a stop on serving because I want these answers first? And Jesus is saying, what's it to you? Follow me. Trust me. Have confidence in me. Have faith in me. Believe in me. Because I've got great things for each and every one of you. And that's his word for you this morning. So let's stand together and offer our hearts again. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the word that's been preached over us. And Lord, we just pray that you continue to work in that, that that word won't come back void. But Lord, that as it comes into our hearts and we wrestle with it, you speak, you minister, you transform. Lord, as we... we, in a way, move forward out of our seats and come forward and offer ourselves again. Lord, that you'd even be doing something in that as we walk forward. It's a symbolic way of saying, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to go where you go. We want to trust where you're calling us to trust. We want to serve where you're calling us to serve. Lord, help us to, to come back to that basics of just what it means to know you and follow you and serve you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. that everything we need is in you we thank you for the way that you came into this world to display what it means to live for God you showed us the way but Lord more than that you laid down your life for us that we might have freedom and life that we might have relationship that we might come to all the fruition of what you planned before the creation of the world And so, Lord, as we share this meal together this morning, we come humbly knowing that this is what started it all. We would not be here, we would not even know each other if it wasn't for you on that cross, if it wasn't for you giving up your life as a sacrifice for the sins of the entire world, and that because of that act, we are now free, free to love one another, free to, to know one another and free to live out the faith that you have in fi- and what it means to follow you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, And after giving thanks, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many. Do this in remembrance of me. And so this morning we do as our Lord commanded us and we come and we share in his body and his blood and we declare who he is and what he has done until he returns again. And so we'll share this together. What we'll do is this side, if you guys want to Um, head to the wall um, grab the elements and come back hold on to them because we're going to eat together and then when this side is finished uh, this side can then go to the wall get the elements and come back we're going to continue to sing this song because I think it really fits in with what Ben has shared this morning and I really encourage you that as you come forward to receive that you'd be asking the Lord what does it mean to follow you Lord what does it mean to follow you let's do that together Let's stand together. Lord, we thank you for all you've been speaking to us as a church, for all you've been doing through us. Lord, we acknowledge that you are Lord of all, that you are Lord of all. Lord, we thank you for this meal that we can share together that signifies that we are your children. We are brothers and sisters in Christ and that together we are called your family. Help us to be motivated to serve one another and to serve you in the world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So take and eat the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us drink together the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Let's stand together and continue to worship the Lord this morning.
3: Song to finish with. What a, a fantastic time we've had together! It's always the way I think: is we take time to focus on the Lord. He steps in, uh, and He does things and speaks to us. And we can just just see, I think, how the Holy Spirit's moving in this place today. So, yeah, simple but profound um, message. Ben, just just follow, just just trust, just know that the Lord will be at work and He'll do things. Um, that's it for the this part of the service. Still a chance to uh, hang back for a while and catch up uh, over a cup of tea or coffee, either here or on the deck at the back. Also, if you've come this morning wanting someone to just be with you and pray about an issue, please feel free to, to join um, the team in the play- prayer room afterwards as well. And my prayer for all of us would just be able to lay hold of what God's spoken to each and every one of us um, in this place this morning and just, just we'll know that we've been here for for, the, for a good reason and, and just go on and stronger in our faith and our walk with the Lord. Thanks everyone. God bless.